Hey all, welcome back to another episode of the Strength Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Jess, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. I wanted to keep this episode a lot less scripted and a little bit more conversational because this is a heavy topic for most, and I, honestly, it used to be one for me as well. I feel like through my content, it's easy to believe that I've always been this way. And what I mean by this is I think people often get the misconception that because I'm now so laid back when it comes to fitness and nutrition, that I've always been that way and I've always taken that approach. And that just hasn't always been the case. I wasted years being handcuffed. Um, completely handcuffed by diet culture and kind of hanging on to whichever random trend was popular and I felt like trying in the moment. This cost me my sanity, but it also cost me a lot of time, money, and frustration along the way. So for today's topic, I wanted to talk about not only my journey into diet culture, how I ended up there, but kind of some of the mindset shifts and beliefs that I let go that allowed me to break free from these habits and these behaviors. So without further ado, let's get into it. As someone who spent years drowning in diet culture beliefs, I want to validate that I completely understand that it may feel absolutely impossible to live in a way where you're not constantly stressing about food and what you're eating and your exercise habits and how many steps you're getting in. But stick with me here. It is definitely a process and I'm going to show you how to get started on that journey. First off, let's talk about how all of us ended up here. I want to say that if you're feeling like you're consistently consumed with thoughts about exercise and food and nutrition and losing weight and gaining muscle and being toned and how all of these things coexist for you to succeed and get whichever physique you want to get, you're not alone in this. I think a lot of us have felt the societal pressures for many, many years to behave this way. And many of us have obsessed over our weight for pretty much as long as we can remember. If you're anything like me or a lot of the women that I know, so much of your fitness habits long revolved around, and honestly, maybe they still do revolve around, the simple matter of losing weight. And that's no surprise because when I was growing up, that was the entire discussion was weight. There wasn't any discussion of body composition, which Growing up as an athlete, I, I honestly didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought weight was the most relevant metric that you could use to measure, quote unquote, how in shape you were. And I, I didn't even know how muscle and how being strong, athletic, and muscular affected your weight because those attributes traditionally were something that were reserved solely for men. Women with athletic physiques weren't really handled well by society, and because women's sports were, and honestly still are, pretty poorly represented, we had really few examples of successful female athletes that were frequently and favorably represented in the media. The idea that being smaller was synonymous with being healthier, especially as a woman, was so freaking institutionalized. And what I mean by this is that I remember sitting in my doctor's office when I was maybe a junior in high school after a massive growth spurt. And to paint this picture, I had grown several inches over the span of about a year and a half, and I was now 5'7 or 5'8 and 155 pounds. I 
was naturally an athletically built female. And I can admit that kind of looking back retrospectively, I was never rail thin, but I also didn't have a bunch of extra weight on me. I had wider hips. I had muscular legs, broad shoulders, and just an overall naturally athletic physique. But when I was in that doctor's office, just for my regular checkup, I remember my doctor looking at my vitals and kind of pulling out this chart and and pointing around and hinting that I was getting close to being what was labeled as quote unquote overweight. And now that I look back, I realize that he was, you know, pointing around on a BMI chart, which we can now admit has little to no significance when looking at body composition. But back then it was really impactful to me because from that moment on, I started kind of taking log of my habits and my nutrition in a way that I had never thought to do before. And while these thoughts kind of bounced around in the back of my mind from time to time in high school and throughout the first couple years of college, you know, you'd like instinctively order a salad when you were with certain friends or you'd go on an extra run after some fast food. They didn't dramatically impact my life until I got to the end of my college career and social media absolutely exploded. At this point, the diet-centric messaging became constant, and for whatever reason, we were still stuck in the era of nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. So as someone with a naturally more athletic build, I fought against my body for years, This pressure led me to restrict calories, work out every single day, sometimes twice a day. Um, I did extra cardio. I eliminated food groups. I consumed literally every supplement on the market just in hopes that I would see the scale drop. My early 20s ended up being this mishmash of toxic behaviors that caused me to spin my wheels and make close to zero progress over about a four or five year span. At this time, I was also really struggling with my self-confidence and honestly just straight up hating my body. So when I say I know what you're dealing with, I was once exactly where you might be right now. Now, if any of this information resonates with you or this situation sounds familiar, you're probably wondering, how did I escape? How did I stop participating in these quote-unquote mainstream diet culture practices? So I will always preach that education was by far the biggest tool. My life immediately changed when I learned about physiology, health, human performance, and nutrition on a much deeper level, which is why I'm so passionate about sharing that knowledge with you guys. But I can honestly boil it down to a few beliefs that were just completely shattered by this knowledge, which allowed me to break free from toxic behaviors and actually make progress towards my goals. Simply said, this is kind of a compilation, a list of things I stopped doing or believing that completely transformed my fitness journey and eventually my body. The first thing I did, which is completely contradictory to everything that diet culture teaches you, is I dropped the all or nothing mindset. So you guys hear me say all the time that results aren't sustainable if you can't maintain the behavior over the long term. So tell me then why I was so obsessed with being perfect and never missing a workout while eating within the arbitrary rules I had set for myself 100% of the time. Which, sure, this would be really successful behavior if it 
you know, if I could maintain it, which of course I could not. And in my head, if I messed up once, it was worth messing up a hundred more times because what did it matter at that point, right? This started this restrict and overindulge cycle that swung me back and forth between deprivation and just accepting total defeat. And what does it come down to? The common belief that you must live in obsession to see noticeable results and that dipping out of this obsession will cause you to fail. If you leave this episode with anything, I want it to be this. Obsession is not necessary to completely change your aesthetic and living in obsession can actually hinder your progress. Side note here. Obsession is only promoted as the way to be successful because obsession by nature is super profitable. What do I mean by this? If as a supplement company, you convince someone that they have to eat perfectly and hit their obnoxiously high daily protein goal 100% of the time, you're going to sell more protein powder. If you're a studio owner and you charge on a per class basis, you're going to convince people that the amount that they exercise is directly correlated with their results. Obsession is one of the most popular business models in health and fitness because it is so profitable. I can freely admit that the bulk of my aesthetic and mental progress came when I ditched obsession for moderation and consistency. When I was convinced that one indulgent meal would erase all of the healthy choices I'd made in the last week, I would completely fly off the rails after enjoying one treat. And when I insisted on working out daily, sometimes twice a day, I would mentally punish myself after taking a much needed rest day from exercise. After years of behaving this way, I realized that I had made close to zero progress towards my desired physique. Your success in fitness is dependent on the sum of your actions and their cumulative effect rather than any individual action itself. So bottom line, you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be consistent. The second shift that I made or belief that I kind of dropped altogether is that I stopped associating extra movement with extra progress. So this one is tough and I want to be crystal clear about one thing. Finding movement that you really enjoy that you can be consistent with is definitely the easiest way to make progress towards your fitness goals. But obsessing over movement and viewing every semi-active activity as an opportunity to get more fit, push farther towards your goals, you know, burn more calories is going to leave you burned out physically and mentally. And the best example I can think of this is the recent trend where people are people who work from home and work from a desk are getting these walking pads, you know, for their home office, which at the base level, I'm completely okay with. I think that's a really great solution for somebody who wants to be a little bit more active and has a sedentary lifestyle. But all of these people are going on TikTok posting how they're getting, you know, 25,000, 30,000 steps in a day, which is not sustainable. And without diving into physiology is really not great for your body. And this behavior translates into the gym as well. Um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of my clients that I onboard insist on initially working out four, five, six days a week because that's what they've been doing because they've been taught that working out more automatically and directly correlates with more progress. Um, 
you know, they're under the assumption that people with the aesthetic that they desire are consistently in the gym, are taking no days off, and that their lives outside of the gym completely revolve around just staying active, getting more steps, burning more calories. But let's break down this misconception. So where you're at right now is your individual point A in the scenario. Whether you have some excess weight to lose, whether you want to gain muscle, you want to tone up, we're all at our individual starting point, our individual point A. Now, say you want to get the, to this hypothetical point B. Point B is the end point that you have in mind, the goal that you have for your aesthetic or your physical health. And so we are traveling directly from point A to point B, right? You can spin your wheels. You can pedal as fast and as feverishly as you desire. But if you're not pointed in the right direction, aka towards your individual version of point B, you can actually take yourself farther away from your goals than you were initially. So doing more of the wrong thing or doing far too much of the right thing can actually drastically hinder your progress rather than help. The most common example of this that I can think of is that many people think a toned physique is all about getting as lean as they possibly can. While leaning out is an excellent way to show off your hard-earned muscle, you need the muscle itself to have a toned aesthetic. So if all your energy is spent on cutting calories, shrinking your body, doing extra cardio, and losing weight, you'll end up losing muscle and actually looking less toned, even if the scale is reflecting a smaller number. Another flaw with the logic of more is better is that when you get to a certain point, quality of workouts outweighs the benefit of additional quantity. So what I mean by this is that three days in the gym each week following a progressive and intentional weightlifting program will yield better results than attending four random fitness classes. That's because achieving your goal aesthetic is a lot more intentional than just exercising for the sake of burning calories. Now, we won't dive into the full physiological and metabolic breakdown of why rest is so important and why overexercising creates this chronic state of underfueling that's hard to break. But simply put, more exercise is not always better. Making this mindset shift and learning that exercise didn't have to be my entire identity was a huge turning point for my fitness journey and a massive catalyst for the results that followed. The third shift that I made or belief that I squashed that really helped me out in this journey was I stepped away from focusing so heavily on calories and macros and looking at them solely in terms of how they impacted my weight. So correct, at its most basic level, weight gain and loss is a function of calories in, calories out. And 99% of fitness coaches will tell you that the only true way for a client to make progress is to create this calorie deficit dictated by prescribed daily calories and or macros, aka there's no way for a client to truly make progress without tracking exactly what they eat. However, fitting your daily calories and macros into an arbitrary box is such a small and insignificant fragment of what constitutes a proper and successful fueling strategy. Foods impact so much more than your weight and body composition, and understanding how your body feels and performs in response to certain foods is huge when working towards specific fitness or physique goals. This point especially highlights just how huge the education component was for me when breaking free from a lot of these patterns. 
I was unaware just how damaging this extremely simple and mathematical view of my nutrition was for me at the time, both psychologically and physiologically. Let's dig into the physiological aspect of this. So a lot of us have this idea that lower calorie foods are healthier and that protein is the macronutrient that needs to be prioritized at all costs in order for us to make progress. Could there be some truth to either of those statements? Sure, absolutely, with a lot of additional information and context. But at this very basic level of understanding, you're likely underfueling and or lacking key macronutrients, keto, I'm looking at you, meaning that you're not giving your body the tools to make the adaptations that you want. Eating too few calories a day is a great way to ensure that you will never change your aesthetic. Your body will focus on performing basic functions and your workouts will honestly be wasted energy. When digging into the science of nutrition, I began to realize that a lot of my workouts were poorly fueled or honestly not fueled at all, which caused me to feel fatigued, unproductive, and unmotivated in the gym. I learned that nutrition for recovery was more complicated than just drinking a protein shake and that my calorie and macro needs actually fluctuated day to day. Psychologically, practices like rigid calorie counting and macro tracking have driven many of us insane at one point or another, and I feel like so many of us act like it's this normal, healthy behavior. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this, but your progress is not dependent on the 8 grams of protein you missed yesterday or the 20 grams of extra carbs you consumed. Spending all of your time insisting that your diet fit inside this arbitrary box will drive you crazy. Macro tracking has people doing things like making a post-gym dinner with zero carbs and 50 grams of protein when they don't understand just how garbage that meal actually is for recovery, or going to bed physically hungry because they've exhausted their macros and calories for the day. These practices teach you that numbers are far more important than listening to cues given by your body. When we dumb food down to nothing more than a mathematical equation, so much gets brushed aside and left out of the conversation, which I think honestly makes it easy for so many to justify macro tracking when they simply avoid the science of fueling for performance and recovery, as well as macronutrient function and absorption. But that's a tangent for another time. Not to mention that allowing myself to enjoy food again and fuel my body as it needed has done more for me physically and mentally than achieving any aesthetic ever could. The fourth and final belief I crushed or shift I made that honestly had a huge impact is that I stopped using body weight as my most relevant measure of progress. Honestly, I stopped using body weight as a measure of progress altogether. When I say I've weighed the same plus or minus three pounds for the last five years without actively managing my weight or tracking it more than once a month, I'm not kidding. I know this is easier said than done because habitual use of the scale seems like something you won't ever be able to let go of. But the only reason that this concept consistently occupies your mind is because you feed into this obsession probably on a daily basis. The more you weigh yourself, the more you think about how much you weigh. To unpack this on a deeper level, it's important to understand why we care about our weight so much. Let me ask you a question. If you could have your absolute dream body, visualize exactly what you'd like to look like in your ideal scenario. 
Now, what if I told you with that body, you would weigh 10 or 15 pounds more than you do right now? If thinking about your dream body just then got you excited about the progress you could make and the way you could look in the near future, but the mention of additional weight automatically induced this deeply instilled fear and visceral reaction, you aren't afraid of anything but the number. Now, in some scenarios, this is actually true. People have no idea what their dream body weighs, and some need to get over the hurdle of gaining weight to realize that they look better at 150 pounds than they ever did at 140. But even if you do have a decent amount of weight to lose, you need to realize that weight is nothing more than one metric in an entire sea of data that can show you that you're heading in the right direction. Let's start with my favorite way to see progress and something that I do regularly and insist that all of my clients do as well, which is taking regular progress pictures. So once every four, six, or eight weeks. Everyone responds differently to a change in exercise and nutrition, especially depending on what they were doing beforehand. Some clients initially lose a decent amount of weight, then really aggressively taper off and maintain. But some clients maintain their weight for months, yet they look completely different. So changes that may not be apparent on the scale can be seen immediately when comparing our physique visually every couple of months. So especially if you're after body recomp, so that's the goal of looking more toned by losing body fat and filling out your muscles a little bit, getting stronger is a really great indication that you're heading in the right direction. I think it's always been subliminally ingrained in us women that getting stronger meant automatically getting bigger and that's just not true getting stronger means that we're working hard enough in the gym to change our body it means that our muscles are receiving an adequate amount of stimulus and that they're recovering properly so tracking your weights and seeing like hey this week i can dumbbell bench 20 pound dumbbells for 10 reps when a month ago i could only do 17 and a halfs means that you're on the right track I cannot stress how important it is that all of my clients understand that muscle weighs more than fat. This means that 160 pound Jess with 25% body fat looks a lot different and a lot less athletic than 165 pound Jess with 19% body fat. It is possible to weigh more and for our self-labeled problem area, ooh. I can't stress enough how important it is that all of my clients and all of you guys understand that muscle weighs more than fat. This means that my 160 pound body with 25% body fat looks a lot different and a lot less athletic than my 165 pound body with 19% body fat. It is possible to weigh more and for our self-labeled problem areas to actually look a lot better. Doing body measurements semi-regularly can help you see your stomach, legs, arms, whatever it be, shrinking while the scale fails to capture the magnitude of your progress. Let's wrap up this weight discussion by saying I do think it's a good idea to weigh yourself somewhat regularly, but to me personally, that looks like once every two or three weeks. And although it's a piece of this puzzle, it's important to remember that it's just a piece. So without additional context, the number on the scale tells us nothing about our progress in its entirety. All right, so let's recap a little bit here because I know that was a lot. While this list is not totally exhaustive, it has accounted for the majority of my progress in the last several years. In my opinion, the four diet culture beliefs and behaviors you should abandon are 
One, the all or nothing mindset. Stop punishing yourself for needing a day off or enjoying an unexpected treat. Fitness can completely change your life and your aesthetic without it being your entire life. Two, the association of extra movement with extra progress. More isn't necessarily better, and more of the wrong things can take you further from your goals. If you struggle knowing what the right steps are for the goals you have, I highly suggest reaching out to a credentialed coach to talk more about that. Three, the blind focus on calories and macros and how they impact your weight. Learning the general science behind macronutrients and calories can be extremely powerful, but I don't necessarily agree with treating your diet as an equation. Food is meant to be enjoyed, and you can still do so while making progress. And four, using body weight as your sole measure of progress. Stepping on the scale provides such an incomplete picture of the progress you're actually making and can discourage you even when you're on the right track. Thank you so, so much for listening to another episode of the Strength Chick podcast. I hope you found value in some of the things we talked about today, and I know that if any piece of this resonated with you, you'll find a lot of topics in the next few weeks relevant and hopefully extremely helpful. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Coach J Burke. That's Coach J B U R K E. And we will see you back here in one week for a new episode. Talk soon.